everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Anime Nostalgia Podcast. As always, I am your host, Usamimi. Happy New Year, everyone! Happy 2018! And I hope you had a nice holiday season. Uh, To start off the new year, I've got a short review episode for you all. Uh, If this is your first time hearing one of my review episodes, that's just my fancy schmancy way of describing a podcast episode where I go back and revisit an older anime title I haven't seen in a while, take some notes on what I remember about it, and re-watch it to see if I still feel the same way that I did back then since as we grow, our tastes change, yada yada yada. Simple, right? And don't worry, if this kind of episode isn't your thing, I'll be returning next episode with one of my longer episodes with a guest to talk in depth about a more fleshed out topic. So during the holiday season, while we were all busy with shopping, cooking, spending time with family, and catching up on the endless pile of year in review lists, articles, and podcasts, I was reminded by Lawrence Eng on Twitter and Sean of Zimerit that a little title called Metal Skin Panic Maddox 01 turned 30 years old back in December. While Maddox was never a hugely popular title, this was an OAV I had back on VHS back in the day, and was lucky enough to get a DVD copy of before they went out of print back in the early 2000s. It seems almost all but forgotten because of that currently, and I thought, what better time to revisit it now that it's reached its 30th anniversary milestone? Metal Skin Panic Maddox 01 was one of those VHS tapes I first heard of in the Animego mail order brochure I sent away for back when they only had enough titles to fill a brochure. This was back in a time where I still had to pay close to $40 per VHS tape as well, so it took me a while to get some of the tapes from that brochure that I really wanted. Luckily enough, though, my local mom-and-pop video store had started to get some of Animego's titles to go along with the small shelf of anime that they were starting, and one of them happened to be, you guessed it, Maddox 01, which I was pretty excited to see because I remember reading the premise and thinking it sounded pretty amusing. A regular teen guy gets stuck in a high-tech military mecha suit without having finished reading the manual and can't figure out how to get the damn thing off. I remember that specifically because I remember thinking it reminded me of the basic premise for the TV series The Greatest American Hero, where some everyday man gets a suit from aliens that gives him superhuman powers, but then he immediately loses the instructions and has to figure out how to use it on his own, with disastrous results of course. When I was a kid, this was a hilarious idea for a story to me. So, of course, as a teenage anime fan, I figured something kind of wacky like that would be perfect for the basic plot of an anime. And I remember enjoying it well enough to end up buying my own copy of Maddox sometime after that, but not watching it more than just a few times. Probably taking it to anime club or showing it to a friend who'd never seen it. I don't recall having very strong feelings about it, though. It was one of those, eh, it was pretty good sort of OAVs I recall having. Nothing terrible about it, but it didn't exactly break any molds for me or come off as a must-see piece. The character designs were pretty plain and no standout music that I remember, 
but the mecha designs were cool. It lived on that list of cool-looking, non-offensive things I could reach for to show most people who would occasionally come to me and say something like, hey, I've seen some anime on the sci-fi channel recently and that looked pretty interesting. What else do you got? It wasn't until I was a little bit older than that that I started looking into the backgrounds of creators and staff behind things that I liked or watched to see what else they might have done that I had maybe missed. I was surprised to find that Maddox's staff included some pretty familiar names, including Hideaki Anno, Shinji Aramaki, and Masami Obari. In the long run, I think that might have been what made me keep a hard copy of this OAV for so long, but I'll probably get back to that later. So now it's been at least 10 years or more since the last time I actually sat down to watch Metal Skin Panic Maddox 01. So it's time to say happy belated birthday to this 30-year-old OAV and see how it holds up in this month's rewatch. Metal Skin Panic Maddox 01 after all this time, it became apparent pretty quickly how I was watching this with very different eyes than I was when I was a teenager. The OAV starts out with a very 80s montage of the Maddox mecha suit being rigorously tested and observed, which serves as the first bit of fan service for not just the mecha fans out there, but for all the military otaku who not only would be watching it, but for the ones that were probably, or most definitely, on staff at the time. Yes, if you watched Otaku No Video, you might have an idea on what military otaku were like back in the day, and how they were oftentimes anime fans as well, who liked to compare the things that they saw in anime to their actual military warfare counterparts in real life. This is nothing new, of course, but it's something that I wasn't really thinking about or even really aware of back in the day when I first saw this hour-long OAV on VHS, that's for sure. The story was pretty much how I remembered it. We start off with a demonstration on how the newly finished Maddox 01 unit is going to be the next big thing in modern warfare, mostly thanks to a woman named Ellie Kusumoto, who not only was the brains behind this whole operation, but actually pilots the Maddox while showing it off to top military brass in a demonstration scramble, to which her boss boasts she personally volunteered to be the pilot despite being a woman, which... <sighs> yeah, I know this was made in the 80s, but... Ugh. We see a bit of tension after the demonstration between her and a Lieutenant Kilgore, 
who apparently was mad that he wasn't picked to run the Maddox and was forced to lose in front of the big bosses and make a big show of saying that next time he's totally gonna beat the Maddox because he's the smartest and the toughest. Fast forward a bit and we see the Maddox getting transported from the battlefield en route to whatever top secret military training facility it's supposed to end up in when a car accident causes the packed up Maddox unit to unceremoniously get dumped at the doorstep of one pretty normal teenage gearhead named Koji. He and a friend examine it and Koji notices the big US military sticker on it and can't help but want to pry the thing open, which leads him and his buddy dragging the crate up to his apartment. It's via all the visual cues in this cramped little room that give us the setup that he's somewhat of a military otaku himself. From the little model tank on a shelf, to the VHS copy of Blue Thunder on a desk, to the giant Apocalypse Now movie poster hanging on the wall. Koji is obviously meant to be not just a self-insert for other similar-minded otaku of the 80s watching this, but also one that many of the crew working on this probably saw themselves in when creating the concept in the story. While Koji's getting the crate open, his buddy tells him his sort of ex-girlfriend called and wants to meet up with him for one last time before she's forced to go study overseas for the next three years and gives him the exact time and place before cheerily leaving so the plot can start moving forward. At first, Koji is pretty cautious. He opens the container very carefully, and upon seeing the giant mecha suit that somehow fits perfectly into his cramped apartment, he finds the manual and starts reading it to figure out what it is and how exactly it works. But of course, he gets a little overexcited at the prospect of trying it out, and before he knows it, he's stuck inside the super-powered mecha suit, manual tossed aside and lost, and is being catapulted through his neighborhood, trying desperately to figure out how to use the thing properly. Watching this OAV now, it's even more apparent that Maddox was heavily inspired by 80s movies. It has a good balance of action, but knows exactly where to throw in a little gag or a joke to remind the viewer that you're definitely not supposed to take everything that seriously. After the suit launches Koji into his neighborhood convenience store, for example, he sheepishly asks to buy a shrimp tempura bento from a wide-eyed clerk who just kind of stares in disbelief, and we never see him actually pay for it because then we'd have to ask, wait, how did he get the money out of his pockets? There's plenty of scenes where we have to just have a certain amount of suspension of belief so we can just enjoy the silly gags like this because that's just what it is. Some silly gags that the staff threw in because, hey, wouldn't this be funny? And they are. Because it's kind of relatable. Of course this happens to Koji before he's supposed to go meet up with a girl he likes before she's gone for good. It's Murphy's Law. And we can all relate to that, even if it's something as ridiculous as this. And, of course, when the military realizes that the Maddox unit is actively on the loose... Of course, the sort of creepy Lieutenant Kilgore kind of goes nuts and puts on fucking camouflage paint on his face a la Apocalypse Now before hopping into an actual tank to go hunt down Koji and destroy it because he's still holding on to that weird grudge from earlier. 
Kusumoto realizes it's up to her to try to get to Koji before Kilgore does to warn him. So we do get a little bit of non-military based fan service where she has to change into her gear to pilot the Maddox unit too, but it's pretty tame and thankfully doesn't last very long. The tail end of the movie is basically a race against time for everyone. Kilgore is racing to get to the Maddox to destroy it out of a personal vendetta. Kusumoto is racing to get the Maddox before him to save the machine she worked so hard on from being totally destroyed. The military is racing to get to the Maddox before it either falls into the wrong hands or destroys half the neighborhood. And all the while, Koji is just trying his best to get to the meeting place his crush set up so he can tell her how he really feels before she's gone from his life for good. There's tanks, helicopters, explosions, and even a fight on an elevator. Kusumoto manages to reach Koji and gives him a few pointers for the Maddox that he hadn't reached in the manual before losing it, before sadly having the legs blown off of the other mecha suit she chased him down in. The Maddox O2, of course. This is kind of a bummer because it's obvious that Kusumoto is a smart and capable character, but she doesn't really have much of a chance to do anything other than help out Koji and advance the plot some more. Which I suppose is understandable since this OAV movie is barely even an hour, if that. But it would have been cool to see her get in on the final showdown with Koji, as well as help him defeat Lieutenant Kilgore, and help stop him fair and square like she had in the beginning of the movie, kind of bringing the whole thing full circle. The ending is pretty predictable by 80s action movie standards, but much like a summer popcorn blockbuster, it's still perfectly enjoyable and satisfying, with some fun animation to boot. And as I mentioned before, as the movie progressed, I was struck with how much in common this little OAV had with the bulk of 80s military action movies that were coming out of Hollywood at the time. In fact, the last half of it, there were a lot of scenes that kind of reminded me of Die Hard or similar movies, with all the shots of explosions blasting off the sides of skyscrapers. Which is funny, because Die Hard didn't come out until a year later. Still, it's obvious that the staff were really into action movies with military themes, so that sort of tone isn't surprising at all. The balance of sort of ridiculous premise, paired with the occasional gags poking fun at the idea of what could happen in this type of situation, it's easy to see why this was an appealing title for Animego to pick up back in the day. It would be a pretty easy sell to someone who was already a fan of this style of American action movies, who might have had a budding curiosity of anime. Not only that, but I had almost forgotten that this was actually Animego's very first title they ever licensed, which makes it fairly significant for anime's history in the US. Before this, anime was only ever licensed in the US as something to edit for American audiences, dub into English, and either throw on TV or onto a VHS tape for cheap to make some sort of profit, and most of it was targeted towards little kids. Animego was one of the first companies to try to get a license for an anime title, subtitle it, and release it to anime fans unedited. 
In fact, if you can find a copy of Maddox on DVD, there's a little Q&A session in the extras where the head of Animago, Robert Woodhead, discusses the brief history of both the company and how they came to release Maddox in the U.S., with the bonus of seeing the green-colored master tapes of Maddox on the shelf directly behind him. It's funny, though, because we could have gotten a very different release of Maddox if Animago hadn't been the ones to pick it up. In 1988, a company called Gaga Communications made a promotional video to try to sell some of their licenses overseas to get picked up for being edited, dubbed, and put on VHS to sell. They retitled Metal Skin Panic Maddox 01 as City of Steel, trying to upsell it as a straight-up military action flick, glossing over any of the gags or tongue-in-cheek jokes it had. Thankfully, like all of the weird rebranded anime Gaga Communications tried to sell back then, it never happened. But the amusing promotional trailer they threw together still remains floating around on the internet. I'll be sure to leave a link to it in the show notes for those who are curious, so you can see it for yourself. It's not as ridiculous as, say, the ones they did for things like Project Echo or Bubblegum Crisis, but it's still a neat little bit of anime's sometimes odd history in the U.S. But getting back to Maddox itself... The animation in it still holds up fairly well, even 30 years later, probably due to the incredibly talented staff, which included some really detailed-oriented key animators that worked on it. Shinji Aramaki, who not only directed and wrote the story, was also one of the mechanical designers. You might recognize that name as the mecha designer for Bubblegum Crisis and Fight Iser 1, as well as Megazone 2-3. Kimitoshi Yamane was the other mechanical designer, who might not have the same name recognition Aramaki does, but was a production designer for Bubblegum Crisis and a mecha designer for G Gundam and the vision of Escaflone. As I briefly mentioned before, Masami Obari was also a key animator on this project, even though he was uncredited. But you probably know him from his many credits working on things like Bubblegum Crisis, the Fatal Fury franchise, Gao Gaigar, and a million other things. And of course, we can't forget that some of the key animation was handled by a little company called Gainax, which included key animator Hideaki Anno, who also did key animation for Nausicaa of the Valley of Wind, Gunbuster, Sailor Moon R the Movie, and, oh, yeah, he directed that little show called Evangelion too, I guess, huh? <laughs> One of the weakest things in this OAV for me personally was the character designs. Hideki Tamura's designs for the female characters were especially odd to me. The women in this movie all had oddly pointy, angular faces and chins, with larger-than-normal foreheads that made their faces look a bit squashed to me. This was especially noticeable in Kusumoto's design because of her short hair, I think. You could see this in some of the male characters too, but it didn't seem as prominent in their faces for whatever reason. It's not a deal breaker per se, as some people might actually like it more than I do, but for me, it was a little distracting at times. Thankfully, as Tamura kept working, it seems like their style softened up a little bit more. They also did key animation for Birth, Go Shogun the Time Atranger, 
and Lita, The Fantastic Adventures of Yoko, all of which don't really have this problem. The other weakest point for this OAV is definitely the music, like I had remembered before. It's a pretty basic soundtrack. Nothing bad, but nothing that really stands out much either. Even the ending theme is just a simple 80s synth-bop track, which is kind of disappointing as ending themes for OAVs usually try to have a good standout vocal track to tempt you into buying a soundtrack of some kind. Ken Yajima did the music, but looking up information on him, he must not have lasted in the anime music biz for very long. Other than doing the soundtrack for Metal Skin Panic Maddox 01, he's only credited for doing the ending theme song arrangement for Fist of the North Star 2, and the soundtrack for the OAV adaptation of Go Nagai's Kama Sutra. Well... Maybe it wasn't that he couldn't make it in the anime music biz. Maybe he just looked at that resume and said, Yep, I've accomplished all I need to now. Well, either way, what a legacy. I rewatched Maddox in its original Japanese, as that's how I'd seen it the first time. So I can't really say much about the dub track, but the Japanese cast was good and fit well for the roles they'd been cast in. Yasunori Matsumoto plays lead guy Koji, and you can also hear him in Dragon Half as Dick Saucer, Kujaku in Rig Veda, and Gowri in the Slayers franchise. Yoko Asagami plays Ellie Kusumoto, and she was also Yuki Mori in Space Battleship Yamato, Claire in Galaxy Express 39, and Saeko Nogami in City Hunter. The late Kazuyuki Sogabe played Lieutenant Kilgore, and he was also known for his roles as Largo in Bubblegum Crisis, Cyborg 13 in Dragon Ball Z, Rei in Vampire Hunter D, and Kunzite in Sailor Moon. Sadly, Metal Skin Panic Maddox A1 has been out of print for some time now, and as of this recording, it's getting harder and harder to find. If you're someone who collects VHS, you can still find copies of Animego's old VHS releases for not very much on places like Amazon, generally under $10. However, the DVD Animego released in 2003 is going to set you back a lot more, somewhere in the $40 to $50 range currently. Which isn't astronomical, but still a bit pricey for an older DVD. If you manage to spot a copy in a used media store or something, I would definitely recommend picking it up. Even though the picture quality isn't as impressive now as it was when it first came out, it comes with some interesting extra features and you won't be getting those from the old VHS release, including a brief recording of some actual military training exercises with tanks and helicopters from 1987 that the animators used as reference for the creation of this OAV, Again, proving that this was definitely trying to appeal to the military otaku types of the time. As well as a commentary track from some of the English dub cast and crew, and the aforementioned Q&A with Robert Woodhead on the history of Animego and their release on Maddox. So, after re-watching it, would I recommend Metal Skin Panic Maddox 01? Sure. 
Well, it's nothing incredibly special or groundbreaking. It's just fun. And it's easy to watch, especially for watching with a group. And makes for an interesting piece of anime history that could potentially start a discussion with younger fans on just how far anime has come since those early days of anime slowly trickling in over to the English-speaking world. The detailed mecha and machinery animation still holds up really well for fans of hand-drawn robots everywhere, and it's amusing to see these cool-looking robot suits and military tanks running amok in the streets of Shinjuku for our entertainment. Eagle-eyed viewers will no doubt have fun spotting some of the random English peppered throughout the movie, including excerpts from what reads like American movie trivia under the giant U.S. military label on the crate that holds Maddox, and some of the random signage during action sequences in the streets. See if you can spot the guy wearing an IHOP shirt during one of the crowd scenes. Basically, if you like popping in the occasional action-heavy, kinda silly 80s movies just to relax and turn your brain off for a while, then you'd probably like this OAV. If you like stuff like Bubblegum Crisis or the original Appleseed OAV, this will probably be right up your alley. If you liked Maddox enough, but you're craving something a little bit longer that's more on the comedic side than the action side of things, something like the Mobile Police Pat Labor OAV or TV series might be more your speed, and would probably be a lot easier for you to find. And I guess that about wraps it up for this short review episode on Metal Skin Panic Maddox 01. Many thanks to those who left me tips this month on Kofi, including Sean and Ryan. Thanks, guys. If you want to get a shout out on the next episode of the podcast to be just as cool as Sean and Ryan are, all you have to do is go to my Kofi account and leave me a tip of two or more coffees. I'll have a link to that in the show notes, which you can see at animenostalgia.blogspot.com, as well as at animenostalgia.tumblr.com, where you can also find other relevant links for this episode, as well as links to past episodes. You can also find this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and pretty much wherever you get your podcasts. Just do a search for the Anime Nostalgia Podcast, and you can usually find it that way. And while you're there, you could always show my podcast some love by leaving a rating or a review, or both. I always love seeing what people have to say about the podcast. Or if you want to send me your thoughts and comments directly, or you just want to say hi, you can always email me at animenostalgiapodcast at gmail.com. It might take me a little while to get back to you, but I promise that I do read all the email that I get. And... That's the first episode of the new year, and hopefully just the start of another fun year of podcasts, guys. I'm looking forward to it. Next episode, I'll be back with a guest for another longer discussion episode. So until then, I've been your host, Usamimi, and I'll see you next time.
story of the entire military-industrial complex trying to stop an unstoppable robot who's gone wild in the streets. Don't miss the final 20-megaton showdown as Maddox goes one-on-one -on -one with Super Tanks. It's all action, all adventure, and all excitement in City of Steel.